everyone. Welcome to Rescue Replay. My name is Kala and I'm your host. So we are embarking on episode two of Rescue Replay. I am so happy to be here. This is so exciting. I'm having so much fun with this. Lots of things coming down the pipeline. So make sure you hit that like, follow, and share button. Spread the word because exciting things are coming in the coming weeks. So I wanted to start off today with defining what rescue ready means. So my training company is called Rescue Ready and Rescue Replay is the podcast of Rescue Ready. But I wanted to break down like what rescue ready actually means. Like it sounds pretty self-explanatory, but for any of you that are listening that are either trained rescuers, so you're either a lifeguard or a first aider or maybe you're listening because you don't know anything about lifeguarding and you want to know what it means to actually be a lifeguard. Well, if we look at the word rescue and we look at the definition of rescue, it states save someone from a dangerous situation. Okay, so when we're rescuing, we are literally putting ourselves aside and we're putting ourselves into a situation that we have been trained how to handle to get somebody else out of that situation. Now that's a pretty cool thing. And especially when you think of lifeguarding, you have to be 15 to take your lifeguard training. That's a pretty admirable thing for a 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. I've had 40 year olds before. It's an admirable thing to start embarking on. It's an admirable journey to start embarking on. It's not a thing. It's a journey. Rescuing is a journey. You know, and then if I think about rescuing and the definition, it says save someone from a dangerous situation. Okay, perfect. In my opening episode, my first episode, I talked about how I open up my DMs to my students, you know, for suicide prevention. I'm all about prevention. Lifeguards are all about prevention. It's counterintuitive. We teach you how to do all these rescue skills. And then we're like, but we don't ever want you to use these skills because we want you to prevent these items from even happening in the first place. So these are the tools to do that. You know, and if we think about that aspect, like every drowning and, you know, suicide as well, I would say, but every drowning for sure is an accident. Accidents are preventable always. Every drowning is preventable, period. You could feed me any story in the book, this and that and the PFDs and this and that. No, drowning is preventable, end of story. So if we think about rescuing, saving someone from a dangerous situation, Hopefully we never have to get to that dangerous situation, but somehow we have to be ready for that and show people, especially when you're on duty as a lifeguard, we need to radiate that kind of ability, that confidence, that rescue preparedness, that safety, that security. And this brings me to just the importance of presence. You know, and this is one of these 
founding blocks of lifeguarding, the importance of presence. And we hear about this all the time with these gurus like, oh, just live in the moment, you know, take it breath by breath, whatever. And it's like, well, have you ever been in my brain? Like, do you know what goes on up there? Um, it's easier said than done. And when you're rescuing, you have to be in the moment. You actually don't even have a choice. There's something very specific physiologically that's going on in your brain and in your body while the emergency is unfolding. We'll get there eventually when we hit on our critical incident stress training. It's so important to know exactly what's going on in the body because then we can rationalize our body's response, which then can in turn help us with critical incident stress management and then in turn with the trauma healing. So we'll get there. That's a really... That's an interesting topic for sure. But the importance of presence, you know, being able to have the demeanor of safety and security, what does that look like to you? How does safety and security dress? How do they talk? What is their body posture like? And sometimes, when we're not at work, if we're not on duty or we're not yet a lifeguard, we tend to think we aren't important. I don't know where we got this from. I wish for the whole world, if I had one wish, I wish that it would be that everybody on this planet understood just how important they are. You could be a IKEA cashier and you're just as important as the doctor that's out there listening to his patients and helping them in the best ways he can. School does not set you apart from the importance of who you are and your place in this world. And I wish that everybody understood that. One example that I can think of or a story that happened recently that I can think of. So I live in BC, Vancouver. Vancouver, BC is where I'm residing. I'm originally from Alberta. I was, I've lived in Alberta for many years. I did live in Smithers for a couple of years. And while I was in Smithers, I was in a long distance relationship. And I moved from Smithers back to Alberta to be with this person. And it didn't end up going well. And actually, it, it, it went a very south direction that I was hoping it wouldn't go. And I actually didn't even know that it was going to go. And so I kind of ran away to Vancouver. I had a colleague here. He reached out, asked if I wanted work. And I said yes. And I left. And I haven't gone back yet. And I don't know if I ever will. But while I was healing, because, you know, when you break up with someone, it's an emotional trauma. I was with that person for six years. It was a big deal. And I was going to, I was teaching a course. And I was having a, I was having a rough day. And I went to go get this coffee from the cafe at this pool I was working at. And I told this lady, I was like, you know, this is my story. And, you know, this is, I'm coming from a bad relationship. So I'm just trying to like find myself right now. And she told me her whole story about her husband and the abuse that she went through, the controlling and the physical abuse. And she had immigrated from Africa and they were refugees and then she went to university and she lived in dorm rooms raising her daughter by herself and put a restraining order on her husband and it's just like wow like 
I needed that story and that support at that time. And she knew that and she was there and she served my coffee. You know, it's like, wow, when we share those moments and those connections and she ended that conversation with, she took my hand and she said, I'm so happy you told me that story because you need to talk about it. You know, and that's the importance of just being present. It's catching those interconnections, those one-offs, those, those times where like maybe it might mean nothing to you, but it means the world to someone else just because you were kind and you took a couple of minutes to have a conversation with them that day. So yeah, I think rescuing is really admirable. Saving someone from a dangerous situation is really admirable. But what I think is really the principle of rescuing or saving someone from a dangerous situation is being present. I think we don't give ourselves enough credit for what we actually do in this world and just being there, being a good human being. We don't give ourselves enough credit for that. Being kind is the ultimate way to provide a service for your community, I think. So that's rescue. Rescue means to save someone from a dangerous situation. But I wanted to go through that because I want you to realize that sometimes just being present is rescuing someone. You don't always necessarily need all of this over and above extra training. You just need to be a kind human being that will listen to someone for a few minutes. You know, then if we take the word ready, what does ready mean? So there are a the few definitions that I wrote down. So ready, completely prepared or fit condition for immediate action. Ready, duly equipped, completely, completed, adjusted, or arranged as for an occasion or a purpose. And then this one was my favorite. Ready means willing. I love that. You're willing to help someone. You could be ready, but are you willing? You know, people often will do that. They'll say like, yeah, call me anytime. Like, I'd love to help out. And then you call them and it's like, oh, well, sorry. Like I've got, you know, I've got this and things have just been so busy. I haven't gotten back to you. And it's like, okay, are you willing to help someone? You know, I had one of my, one of my old bosses, she randomly messaged me the other day in a panic. And she says, I'm at the airport and I'm on standby. I don't know if I'm going to make my flight. I'm in Vancouver. Could I crash on your couch if I don't? And I was like, at first I was like, well, this is weird. Like, that'd be a weird thing. I haven't seen this lady for, you know, God knows how long. And she's in her 50s. I love, I love her to bits. Like, we always had great conversations and I always felt really comfortable around her. So, it was just kind of one of those things where it's like, oh, this is this is a weird thing. And it's like, of course, of course you can come and crash on my couch. What am I going to say? No. Why would I say no? This is somebody that I have admiration and respect for. Why wouldn't I let them crash on my couch? But not everybody's like that. People get, you know, they feel inconvenienced, you know, and then they don't want to provide that for, for the people that they care about. So it's less about being ready and it's more about being willing. And I told you that story because she did end up making her flight. And then she texted me and she was like, oh, I'm on my flight. And I was like, oh, that's so great. Like, let me know when you're back. Like, let's 
hook up for a beer and she's like, well, I have your number. And, and then she said, thanks for being willing to help when I needed. So I think willing is a really interesting word. We need to start implementing this word like, yeah, you might be ready, but are you willing? So I like that as my business name, Rescue Ready. We want to be, we focus on rescue preparedness. You know, I also stated before in episode one that I'm a lifeguard trainer. So I teach people how to be a lifeguard and I teach water rescues. I teach people how to be a first aider and how to be a first responder. The first thing that sets a lifeguard and a first aider apart from a paramedic, fire, police, our emergency services is emergency services get briefed on what they're walking into. Lifeguards and first aiders, we often have to watch it in real time and we have to watch the events happen. There is a whole other element of critical incident stress and trauma healing when you have to watch it in real time. So one of the very first things that I teach in my, or very first ideas, I shouldn't call them things because they're not things, but they're ideas. The very first principle that I teach in my lifeguard courses is we all have a story. And I ended episode one with, with this, is we all have a story. So let's get into it. We all have a story. Some of our stories aren't pleasant. Some of them are really dark and grim. Some of them have lots of funny stories, lots of crazy stories. You know, if you were any of my students, they'd be like, oh, you have another crazy story? Because I would always be like, actually, I have a crazy story about that, you know? And But everybody has a story. We don't always get to know what the story is either. And we shouldn't. We, we have no right to know what everybody else's story is. It's not our story. It's not our business. And sometimes they might tell us their story, and that's a great thing. That's an honor. When somebody feels safe to tell you and come to you and tell you their story, that's a huge honor, huge honor. But we don't always get that, and we, don't, we have no right to that. And what's the purpose of even knowing that? Like, yeah, Kala. Everybody has a story. So what? Well, okay. So if we know that everybody has a story, could we maybe consider that we don't know what their story is? Could we maybe consider that the way that they're responding is a result of their story? And if we can consider that and we can understand that and better yet internalize that, then knowing that they have their own story, whatever they do has no effect to us at all. And then this is where, you know, some of the gurus, they say, don't take anything personally. Uh, Don Miguel Rod Ruiz, he, he wrote the four agreements. I totally butchered his name. I'm 100% positive of it. But the four agreements, I read that book in one day, actually. And his second agreement, I believe, it's don't take anything personally. Well, that one's easier said than done. If you don't know what other people, where they're coming from. And you don't have to know the specifics of where they're coming from. You just have to know that they have their own story that they're coming from. Here's a really good example. 
I got, I, so I, again, I, I live in Vancouver, BC, but I'm from Alberta. So in Alberta, our car plates, you only have the back license plate. We don't have the front ones. But in BC, you have both the front and the back license plate. So I drive an Audi. I drive a six-speed manual, you know, in, and in Audi world, like, it's a pretty cool car, and I, I really love driving it. It's really great. So in Alberta, I bought a fake German license plate. It's it was a sticker on a piece of tin, and I put it on the front because it's it's kind of a trend. It's it's a little vibe that you have in Alberta is front license plates. And I was driving around in BC, and this guy pulled me over, and I was like, "Oh, I'm sorry. Like, what did you pull me over for? Like, I don't think I was speeding." And he's like, "Are you German?" And I said, no. And he's like, why do you have a German license plate on your car? And, you know, I was like, well, it's not a license plate. It's just, it's a sticker on a car. And he went off. He was yelling at me for probably 10 to 15 minutes about misidentifying my vehicle. And he's like, you don't know this because you're from Alberta. And I looked at him and very honestly, and I was like, you're right. I don't know this because I am from Alberta, because cops in Alberta, they would look at the front license plate and see, think absolutely nothing because we don't have front license plates. But in BC, they look at the front license plate, they see that it's incorrect and they're like immediately like triggered, you know? Did I think that he had cause to stop me? Yeah. But do I think that he would have been much more efficient if he had politely talked to me? Because maybe he could have understood that I was from Alberta and maybe he could have understood that that isn't a thing where I come from. You know, and so he yells at me and I'm late for work because of this, because he took 15 minutes out of my drive, which in Vancouver, 15 minutes is like, you know, make it or break it for being there on time. It's crazy. The traffic here, if you've never driven here, don't ride a bike or take transit. The traffic's crazy. So yeah, he, he yelled at me for a long time. And the first thing that I thought of when he walked away was, man, he is having a rough time with something. And I thought to myself, like, hey, what if we could think like that all the time with everybody's interactions? You know, when our boss is like, beaking off at us or like picking on us or getting mad at us. And it's like, instead of taking that personally, what if we gave them the benefit of the doubt? And what if we thought, man, it must be pretty bad for them to take whatever is happening for them out on somebody else. And it must be even worse because they're not aware of it. And that must mean it's pretty painful. Now, I realize this is a really huge idea. This is a really hard one to come to terms with. I am no master at this. And believe you me, I still take things personally sometimes. It is a constant work in progress. But I think that if we just understood that everybody has a place that they're coming from, it might make it a little bit easier for us to move forward together as a, as a community. Or better yet, it might help us see each other as a community rather than as an enemy or as separation. You know, if we treat each other as a unit, then we can learn with each other as a unit. And this is where 
the fundamentals of rescue replay is, is I want the space where we can come together, we can talk together, we can speak together, we can share together, and we can learn together. So we're only as strong as our weakest link. You know, the age old cliche, we're only as strong as our weakest link. If you fail, I fail. But it's true. It's totally true. I mean, I don't think failing, well, I do think failing's real. I think failing is real. And I think if you're going to fail something, just fucking fail it. Just fail it real fucking hard. And then learn from it, move on, move forward. And that's, that's a topic for another podcast. But supporting our weakest link. And our weakest link is always going to be interchangeable because we're always at different aspects of our life and we're facing different challenges. So you might be the weakest link in certain areas and then your partner or your colleague might be the weakest link in other areas. But the point is, is if we can support each other and if we can encourage each other, rather than chastise or isolate or separate from each other, oh man, the world would be a way better place. Jordan Peterson, he's another person that I listen to and he's a big inspiration for me. And he says in one of his podcasts, I, I like to listen to him quite often, him and Jocko Willink, I'll just state right now, actually while I'm on it, my ultimate goal, my big dream is, is that my podcast hits Jordan Peterson's or Jocko Willing's ears and they invite me on their podcast and have a conversation with me about Rescue Replay and, and what I do or, or just to have a conversation with them just to be featured on their podcast. So, hey, Jordan and hey, Jocko, if you ever listen, like that is my, that's a big dream for me. So I love you guys. I love what you're all about and you, you really helped me get here today. So thank you. Thank you for all that you do. Okay, now let's go back to supporting our weakest link and, and being there for each other. So Jordan Peterson, what he said in one of his podcasts, he's like, it's un I love how he's so absolute with his language. I, I won't be able to quote him exactly, but this is the idea. This is the premise. He says, it's unbelievable how little encouragement it takes for people to actually want to succeed more. How little genuine encouragement it takes to push somebody else forward. Like, wow. You know, when you think about that and you think about what your natural response is when something doesn't go your way or something annoys you or maybe somebody wants to go get ramen and you want to go get pizza, you know. And if we think about those, we call them trivial moments, but they're not trivial moments. The mundane is life. Those moments is what makes up life. If we think about those moments and if we if we recalibrate ourselves into from you know the negative into the positive, which is what you hear on all those self-help things, but if you recalibrate yourself to respond in a way that's supportive rather than you know just complacent, I think we would find a huge help in our mental health and in our emotional well-being, a huge help. And if we just encompassed that everybody's wrong at some point, nobody's got it all figured out. We're all just making these snap judgment calls and putting one foot in front of the other 
And that's basically it. Nobody's got it all figured out yet. Or if they do, I mean, they should really, you know, they should do the world a favor and write the rule book or, you know, something like help a brother out, you know, like, but it's not like that. We're all just here doing our best. And that's, that's where it ends. That's where it is. And this is where kindness and generosity and just being pleasant is, this is where this needs to exist. So that's episode two of Rescue Replay. I think I'll leave it there for tonight. Thanks for tuning in for our second episode. I really appreciate you listening. And again, just like, share, follow, tell your friends, join the movement. Let's explode this forward. Let's explode this open. And let's show the world what community really means. Thanks for tuning in. This is Rescue Replay, out. Oh,